Hey everybody, let me tell you about Audible.com. You can sign up at audibletrial.com forward slash brick pit. We'll give you a free credit, two credits if you're already a member of Prime. Uh, the Audible co- catalog's got podcasts, audiobooks, guided wellness, Audible originals. Listen all you want. There'll be a friendly email reminder to let you know when the trial's expiring. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to see is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. This is the true story. True story. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Brick Pit. I'm your host today, Jason. Uh, This is the podcast you didn't know that you didn't need. And with me is, of course, Adam. The first person to circumnavigate the globe using a Macy's Thanksgiving Day balloon. That would be awesome, actually. <laughs> was it the Charlie Brown? <laughs> it's, it's Garfield. His uh, his message was that he hates Mondays. <laughs> and joining us is Josh, who is the only person to ever be disqualified from a spelling bee for the use of a steel chair. <laughs> I'm the chairman of the board. <laughs> It was really uh, unclassy of you to challenge her to a cage match afterwards. Like that. I thought you were going to say it was unclassy of me to unmask them after <laughs> knocking them out. We need a wrestling podcast, but we, we need more people that actually watch wrestling. We need to go back in time to 1995 and have a wrestling <laughs> podcast because I don't know what the hell's going on in wrestling. <laughs> so you essentially want us to do Jim Cornette's podcast? Yes. Actually, let's just download Jim Cornette's podcast and put our names on it and put it through Anchor. See what happens. All right. Works for me. (laughs) This has been the Brick Pit, everyone. (laughs) We've come up with a better idea. (laughs) All right. So uh, today's topic, we're going to be talking about movies that are inspired by or based on true events or true stories. I want to get into essentially what they kind of mean because those those words or those phrases can be used to mean more than what we think because generally when they use that the audience thinks oh well we're we're essentially seeing something equivalent to a biopic or something like that or like a historical recreation yes exactly uh where in fact someone just read something out of a book or a, a news headline or something like that and it got their imaginations going and they kind of kicked it into a, a a different story that uses some of the similar elements right and a testament to that is that most people that have lived through said events or have movies made about them go ah, that's not really what happened <laughs> right yeah yeah but you signed uh, it- but you signed the check sir so <laughs> Well, like I said, even more than that, because it's not necessarily actually even a recounting of those events. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some of them are, some of them aren't. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I think we need to kind of make that distinction between, you know, a an inspired by or based on true events versus the biopics or the docudramas and stuff like that. And even you will even have it in biopics where they'll sometimes just take like two or three different people and make them one person. Amalgamation of characters, yeah. Just for narrative purposes. But I think that's especially true in inspired by true events if they do use certain actual people. Uh, but most of the times they just kind of, they like the concept 
of the story and they just generate something new uh, and maybe just have some very loose characterizations based off of people. Right. Like the, uh, what was the, it was a Nicholas Cage film with Patricia Arquette where it's about the cop that tipped half the winnings of the lottery for, uh, cause he didn't have any cash on him and then he won. Yes. Which is based off something that actually happened in New York. Like, Right, a decade earlier. Right, but it's some of those things are like that. Like they saw the headline, like ooh, yeah. let's make a yeah, movie it, based just, on this. Yeah, it's just based off of that premise, right, and not the actual people themselves. And by the way, for listeners, if you're new to the cast and you're interested in biopics, our season one episode five, "Welcome to Your Life," was on this very topic. So uh, after you finish this, don't stop right now. But after you finish this episode, go back and listen to that one. Stop right now. That's way <laughs> better. I can tell you right yeah. now. The way yeah. this is starting, this is unfolding. That's a better episode. <laughs> <laughs> I got no confidence going forward. Yeah. If, you've only, if you've only got an hour, save yourself the next. <laughs> I love how all the advice online and stuff is like, you got to really sell yourself. And we're like, nah. No. <laughs> <laughs> We, we know are, who we are. We know who we are. I don't. Like, I don't want to get involved in any kind of fraud situation here. Be very, <laughs> be very clear what you're listening to. Was it? Was it Charlie Chaplin that says I wouldn't want to be a member of any club that would have me as one of its members? Like that's. I believe that was Karl Marx. Karl Marx. <laughs> <laughs> he was kicked out of the capitalist system. Uh, He's like, I don't want to. <laughs> Groucho Marx. Groucho Marx. That was who it was. That's right. Yeah. His brother was Carl. That was in the politics. <laughs> that was <laughs> Harpo, yeah. as it turns out, was actually super, super fascist. That's why they didn't let him talk. <laughs> but I've heard you know, I've heard the same thing about Teller as <laughs> That's why people come to listen to us. All That's these, right. All the, all the inside baseball. We throw <laughs> these 100% true factual facts. <laughs> this is based on... I'll tell a story based on the, the, the Marx Brothers. So we, we've ruled out that bi, that biopics are not. And and I'm curious, uh, you know, when we were talking about this and, and planning for it... Um, one of the things I, I wondered is if you were also going to include things that were, and, and we don't have to get into it right just yet, but I'm curious if you're, if you're also thinking about things that are like fake um, inspired by true events. Well, I, I did want to, the next aspect of the topic I wanted to go into was use of that phrase okay. yeah. in marketing and all that kind of stuff, you know, and I'm surprised no one put it on the list. Like I left it off my list because I thought one of you guys were going to pick it up, but you didn't. Uh, like Ed Gein, like he's a number one on the based on true events. <laughs> I think actual serial killers based themselves off of Ed Gein. That, that's a really good point because I think out of all the serial killers, he is probably the inspiration. Because what Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Psycho, Psycho. Um, uh, uh, Silence of the Lambs, Silence of the Lambs, Ed Gein goes to Hollywood. Uh, Abbott and Costello meet Ed Gein. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine going into like, you know, you're you've got an assignment, and you're on your way to the studio, and you've got to pitch a movie in the next eight minutes, and you have nothing. <laughs> you're like, I know what we'll do. I know what we'll do. We'll just pitch them another Ed Gein. <laughs> you can't go wrong. Those movies sell themselves. <laughs> Michael Bay's Ed. 
<laughs> I, would, I would watch the Muppets Ed Gein. <laughs> I think that's what that faux Muppet movie was no, supposed to be. No, that was that was that was Meet the Feebles, yeah. watered down. But yeah, like I said, uh, Ed Gein. You know, we just mentioned a whole bunch of movies that were based off, and we still haven't really scraped the surface just off that. Once again, they are not biopics. They're not actually talking about Ed Gein. They're just taking the crazy stuff he did, mm-hmm. making you know women suits and furniture out of bones and stuff like that, and using them to craft different stories. But once again, they they use that, uh, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre did it, and I believe Psycho did it as well, the, the mm-hmm. whole based on true events. Mm-hmm. And it's like... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. It, the inspired by makes more, yeah, actual sense at least. You know, the the way the words used and then based on, but that that creates something in the audience minds mm-hmm. that that makes them want to go see that. Well, it, it it's accurate to say based on because that's the basis of the idea. Yeah, but I think the the popular opinion is based on means. People think it's going to be like a docudrama. Yeah. And I remember it, it, it feeds into, of course, just our own terrible human nature, because uh, I remember people thinking that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was something that actually happened. Mm-hmm. You know, like in middle school and high school, of course, you know, that's the age that your imagination is really kind of spinning on stuff like and that. And you want you want to believe this is a part of it. Yes, prime, I want to believe that there's chainsaw wielding maniacs. Yeah. You're, prime, <laughs> you're prime to to go into the your suspension of disbelief is very low, I guess, or very high. I don't know what you mean. But you're gullible. You're gullible. You're an idiot. <laughs> you're a knucklehead. And I I remember a guy coming up to me. We were having a discussion in middle school, and we got to talk about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, you know they caught the guy. <laughs> <laughs> He was traveling to Louisiana. He got pulled over by a state trooper. They caught him. That would be... I, I would watch that. <laughs> Leather let face in like a Corolla. <laughs> pulled over by the cops. Get pulled over by the super troopers. <laughs> that's, that's... Oh, let's call up the, the, the broken lizard guys. We got, <laughs> we got an idea for them. You got a chainsaw there, meow? <laughs> But I think that once again, it, it it's a good marketing tool because it increases people's curiosity. It's been used even when movies aren't based off of actual events. Uh, one of which I, I saw that you put down, Adam, was Fargo. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, Fargo and the TV show as well. Right. Opens with a statement that it's based off actual events that they changed the names, but everything else is told exactly as it happened. None of it happened. Like. Right. <laughs> Like I think it, it took a couple of decades for the Coens to actually admit that, right? And I think it's I think that it's sort of famous if for you say reason. for that reason, right? I mean, I mean, it's a good movie or whatever, but it's if you say we're going to talk about that, you have to bring up Fargo because it's the most talked about, not real thing that's real that everybody thought was real, right? Like real, like serious people were like trying to investigate and tr- try to track back and find this case and figure out what really happened, and you know. They were just goofing around writing a movie. And that what was interesting well, is they, that... they were interested in the idea of based upon true events yes, movies. Right. And they were like, hey, let's make a 
it's Joel it's Cohen. not satire, but it's like they right. were like, let's make a based Black on Cohen. true true events movie that's not based on true. Events. Well, it said Joel Cohen said when you use that term, you know, based off of true events or a true story, if an audience believes that something's based on a real event, it gives you permission to do things that they may might otherwise not accept. Yes. And they were, that's what I was going to say is they were the first, they weren't the first to do that, obviously, but they were the first to really figure out that that buys you something as a filmmaker, that just that phrase at the beginning of the movie actually buys you something. And it's what you just mentioned, Jason, which I think is a, it, just in a, as a storytelling device is really cool. And, I, but here's the thing about it. It's like, that's like a one trick thing. Like once you've, once you've fallen for that, once you've seen that, that gimmick, then it'll never work again on you. Right. That's the sad, that's the sad part about it. You know, so. it, it, it depends on how well it's done because we can go back to a movie that we've talked about before. And that's the Blair Witch Project because they, they use that whole, Oh, you know, this is found footage. Right. You Which know, was, this is, that, yeah. Yeah. This is something that actually happened and it was, it was a bunch of crap, but people believed it. Like, you know, I'll, I'll go back. I had arguments with the guy cause he thought, no, no, it's real. It's real. It's like, no, the, they're on Leno. Like they're not dead. <laughs> <laughs> they're doing PR tours. My thoughts film. on Blair Witch is it is excellent. Experiment. Uh, it's excellent guerrilla marketing because, yeah. it, like, there was a lot of it. It kind of ushered in that that AR augmented reality kind of here's a website game. You can go to yeah, game. like like go to this website and decode this thing, and because like. Nine Inch Nails uh, got heavily invested in that. At one point, they would have like secret shows. You go to their website and kind of decipher stuff. That kind of like putting the onus on the audience to investigate. You know what is this? What does this mean? There's just these numbers on this website, and then so they get you get emotionally involved before you even see the movie, and the movie's crap. You know. <laughs> Yeah. It's it's yeah. not it's not a good film. It's not even a good independent film. It is it is a scientific experiment that proves why improv sucks. Yes. <laughs> Sorry for you improvers out there that might be, we might have to edit that out. <laughs> but there went a third of our audience right there. That's <laughs> <laughs> they just pump this in at Groundlings every week. <laughs> <laughs> We're a case study, is what it is. <laughs> This is how no, real comedy's done. <laughs> yeah, like here's some cameras go wander in the woods and make something. Like that's the the problem is giving that to to actors. Like they're scripts for a reason. You know? <laughs> yeah, they're directors for a reason, and they're actors for a reason. Actors make the stuff that you wrote down believable, <laughs> and it's it's just it's rare for somebody to be able to encompass more than one role. And that's it's not that's not a dig on anybody, but actors typically need strong scripts in order to have great. They need the framework. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, this, if you go back to one of our favorite shows, Home Movies, the first season, they pretty much just had a very generic, brief outline of the episode, so it was mostly improv, and it was some funny stuff. And then the second season, they actually started creating more scripts and, you know, still giving the voice actors room to improvise. Right. But I, I personally prefer the later shows for that reason, because 
you get great like callbacks. Like there was a great structure to it and mm-hmm. jokes were built in to other things that would happen later on and, you know, call back to things that had happened earlier on in the show. And it, it made it much more enjoyable for that reason. Yeah. So if Bye Bye Greasy may be one of the greatest plays Musicals ever, that, yeah. ever created. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the show had been on for like what two decades now, and like uh, I, I know people that still like I can make a reference to that episode, and they know exactly what I'm talking about. I, in my head, I still sing like the Septopus song and stuff. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, let's let's go ahead and kind of get into it, uh, Adam. So you know, we we've already marked Fargo off your list here, right? <laughs> so uh, go ahead and and. Sure. Let so, us know another movie that you're interested in in this. This well, run. so I kind of want to talk. I mean, we you you've kind of approached it in a different way, but when I first think of based on true events, one of the things that immediately comes to mind is a tragedies of some kind. I, I don't want to rattle off a bunch. I don't see any of them on lifetime the movies type things, or you know, something like the Titanic, for example, which is probably the most famous based on a true event movie. By the way, still never seen Titanic. It's like my, you know, Josh, you have some of these too, I think, but it's like, I, I, I missed that window where I was supposed to see it and then I didn't. And then everybody talks about it's it. It's under the time. your Vonnegut umbrella. Uh, my Vonnegut. Also a, a yes. previous episode that you can go back and listen to. <laughs> listen to it's the Vonnegut umbrella. So I haven't seen today, but of course I obviously know enough because I'm a human being living in America that can. I've see seen that. I've seen the relevant portions of Titanic. <laughs> uh, all, I need, all I need to know is there's a piece of wood that was big enough, and that was the that's basically the whole movie right there, right? They, he could have floated and survived, but so tragedies like you know uh, you know Pearl Harbor, uh, Titanic, things like that. So, but for me, I think the instinctual instinctual ones that I always go to are the war movies and there's varying degrees of whether or not they're factual whether or not they're actually based on real events or whatever they're set within a framework of a war which obviously happened in real life the the various stories that can be told through that frame you know there's a lot of creative liberties taken there too just you know maybe not to the extent of fargo but in some cases yeah i mean it can be pretty pretty dramatic but having said that one that i think is fairly accurate based on if you read the book and you read the reports of it or whatever, the actual events is Black Hawk Down, which I don't think we've actually talked about on the cast before. At least I don't remember if we have, but Black I Hawk don't Down condone is, war or war movies. Well, it was great having you on the cast, Josh. <laughs> 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 uh, but it, Black Hawk Down is one of my favorite films. Um, I, you know, I was talking the other day with a friend about like what movies, what kind of violence is like fiction we've talked about this too josh i think where like fictionalized violence feels hits differently than things that are like that could be real violence so like sci-fi shooting is is less off-putting say for example than, yeah like, a stormtrooper like, getting hit with a blaster blasted. is not the uh the dude on omaha beach crying right. out for his mom or, or, there's like, a reason they put the helmets and everything on them to to cover their faces to dehumanize them even not even that but like you know like even predator or 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 you know something like that where it's got that sci-fi or big trouble in little china you know there's a lot of death and violence yeah but but it's like fantasy yeah Yeah. right versus even like a western where there's like a shootout between two people that's that's a little more realistic and a little it feels a little different 
I think like the most serious kind of violence is this realistic war violence. Like you said, you know, uh, Saving Private Ryan or Black Hawk Down. And that's kind of like the last, the last kind of violence that if you're a parent, or at least in my case, that I'm like, that's the where the red line of where you let your kids watch. Like, <laughs> like I'll let you watch a Western with me with John Wayne or whatever gunning people down in the street. Those are documentaries. Like Those John are Wayne used to actually just go down the street cutting people down. He was, oh, that's the Duke. <laughs> he would go to those little western towns for tourists for the fake gunfights. He really, he really hated those places. <laughs> people just, you know, that's a little known fact. Yeah, it, was, it was an honor to be shot by you, sir. <laughs> That's when America was America, man. Yeah, that's right. And they could shoot you yeah, down right. at Deer Ranch. A man, a man could take a shot to the chest and take it. <laughs> but that's okay. Like we'll watch those. But I, you know, I'm not ready to sit down and explain, you know, the tra- the tragedies of Black Hawk Down, for example, or, or Zero Dark Thirty, or whatever. Well, I, I think a lot of it has to do with not so much. The actual violence, but the reaction and aftermath of the violence. Yeah. There's a big trouble in Little China, you know, people are getting axed left and right. It's just, you know, but like in the Pacific or something like that, one guy gets killed and like you see people do like, that was a real dude. That that was my right. friend. And yeah. so it's the reality of, of the death, the acknowledgement of a life snuffed out in its prime, you know? Well, yeah, because stuff like Black Hawk Down, it's the concept of these are real people. These aren't right. fictional characters. These people actually existed. But but I think also yeah. it's just it's just how it's... Because, like, like in slasher films, you want a high body count, you know, for, well, for entertainment yeah, that's, versus... That's what it's versus, for, yeah. Versus something like, I don't know, well, like, you know, you can have one person die and it be like super impactful because in the, real life, the consequences feel real. They they right. actually feel the decisions made in the movie. This is another thing about it's like, the context the, the, of the film, right. yes. And and it and because it hap- because these things actually happened and and to a greater or lesser extent are true. Like unless you're unless you <laughs> if you're an, a usual typical person, you're going to feel some real feelings about that. Not mm-hmm. not like movie feelings, but real feelings. Like Black Hawk Down, I've watched that movie two dozen times. It still makes me emotional sometimes when I watch it. Like uh, you, you feel real feelings because these were real people who got hurt and killed. Um, same same with you know like Saving Private Ryan. Like that's that D Day opening is is massive. Like it just the it hits all the. Unique, unique feelings, I guess is what, what I'd say. What strikes, what's the, the part I can't get through in uh, say, Private Ryan is when, at, at the end, when the German dude is on top of the other guy and slowly sinking the knife in, mm. like, that's that's too much. When he's, like, saying, like, please stop, please don't. And you're like, oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> it's gritty. Yes. Well, and, and I, I, I think sh- that, like, the D-Day scene kind of gets to me for the simple fact is I had an uncle who was at mm. D-Day. Mm-hmm. And has his own little story, which I won't go into, but it's just it feels real. I, I can't watch any D-Day recreation without right. thinking about him being on that boat. Right. And like hearing the bullets hit the front of the, the gate before it even drops down, because the Nazis would just go ahead and start firing so that when it dropped down, it start taking people out. Well, yeah, uh, I think that's the perfect example too, of like based on like Saving Private Ryan didn't happen 
No. But that stuff happened. Like, right. So, like, right. it's like the the spirit of war and 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 in particular, like the the D Day invasion stuff is is real. Versus like you know Band of Brothers, which is is more of a, like a docudrama. It's it's more one to one recreation of people's recollections. And we talked actually, you know, you mentioned that because like. When we talked about biopics, I mentioned, for example, like 1776 um, by David McCullough, the book. Not, I don't mm-hmm. think there's is there is there media based stuff. I don't know, but you know, there, it, these his, they're, there's not quite documentaries because they're there's fictionalized elements to it, but they're not quite biopics either. And I just think the war genre in general really lends itself to this this sort of uh, stack of movies. Um, well, it, so that, it's, anyway, it's a backdrop. You know, yeah. on, mm-hmm. on a lot of them, because you know, Gone with the Wind. Oh, it's that's not about yeah. the Civil War. The right, Civil right, right. War is a backdrop, and mm-hmm. it gives context to how everything plays out. But it's about this woman, and you know, her love life and being put into a marriage that she didn't like, and all that kind of stuff. But it's not a Civil War movie, even though it takes place during the Civil War. And a lot of war movies are that way. It's well, we want to make a, a heist movie, but we're going to put it during World War Two. Right. Well, yeah, and then there's like zero. there's like like Monument Men, which is based on real people that really did yeah. things. But I think like the details were like it's it's one of those things where like well that's a really cool thing, but it doesn't play. You got to punch it up for the for the for the movie. Yeah. You know, got to have uh, a couple more explosions in it. The Great Escape, uh, mm-hmm. popular film about the the largest POW escape. During World War II, a lot of the people that are involved in it was like, yeah, the, the Americans didn't really do that much. But but because it was an American movie, you know, you throw in James Garner and Steve McQueen. Yeah. <laughs> so you can have a marquee name to sell it to American audiences. What's interesting about that film, that's one of my favorite films, by the way. I love that movie. But it it feels like two separate films. Like I it's almost like and like um, Steve McQueen shares very few scenes with the rest of the cast. It it, it feels like they filmed his stuff like Separate. later and separately and created like because it is very much a parallel story to the the you know the British that are you know do everything and then Steve McQueen's like I'm stealing a motorcycle because <laughs> I like motorcycles. The one I happen to have in my own collection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It, I mean, it, it's, it's still cool scene. it's cool. It's Steve cool. McQueen is cool. Probably didn't happen. No. <laughs> uh, James Garner is amazing in that film too, though. James, you just have to say James Garner is amazing. That's the yes. But I, I mean, to me, like he's a he's a more compelling, cooler dude than Steve McQueen because like like all of his interactions with Donald Pleasance and stuff is just like. Man, just it's like just really gripping, and he just you know he I, was he was so effervescently like just just ooze cool, like you yeah. know, like procuring the stuff has, from Hans. Yeah, McQueen has that iconic cool, like you give like James Dean and stuff like that for driving yeah. fast cars and all that, and James Garner just has that eternal cool. Yeah, it's just, more it's more it's more of a mature cool. Yeah, like he, just, he's. He's Very the kind secure. of guy you actually want to know. Yes. Gosh. 
Yeah. I really yeah. liked it. James Gunn. You done, <laughs> you, you done fanboying, fanboying over there, guys? <laughs> no, gonna, no. We're not going to be on the cast, no matter this how. Is the new, after, this is the dead, new podcast. This is the James <laughs> Conner cast. <laughs> all right, we're starting. All right, so Rockford Files, episode one. <laughs> I'll be honest First week you. of the month, Rockford Files. Second week of the month, Maverick. Yeah. I, <laughs> Third week of movie. I think we and found our fourth spin-off. Week, yeah. <laughs> fourth week we just talk about what a great guy he was off yeah. <laughs> we, we do things like if you could have lunch with James Garner, what would you order? <laughs> Am whatever, I paying for it or is he paying order. for it? Right. Is whatever, he gonna share the appetizers? <laughs> is he gonna take all the loaded nachos? <laughs> so let me ask you this jason is a is it a bricked pit if you know a factual thing about a movie that's based on reality that that is either modified or not included i'll give you an easy low-hanging fruit example which is Patton. Patton was notoriously he swore like a sailor swore like a soldier all the time very foul-mouthed cussed at presidents and prime ministers had no filter just cussed all the time and in the movie Patton where he gives his famous speech in front of the American flag, that speech happened in real life that it did not have, it did not sound like that because it was riddled with lots of other things that because we we are the podcast we are, we're not going to say, but very foul to me, because I'm, I guess I'm sort of pedantic about these things. That does feel like a brick pit to me. <laughs> like if, I, if it doesn't capture the true character of the person or the true, even the true like emotional impact of the event, that's a brick pit to me, especially if I'm as a history buff. And Josh, I, I mean, I don't know if you have you, you have expressed feelings about history movies in the past where if they do the history wrong, that really like gets you. That really that Patton really doesn't bother me though. Not Pat, yeah, I mean that's a <laughs> yeah, that specific example is not one that like sets back. I'll watch it. it doesn't no, me I, that, but, I and it's it's but, weird. Like I think a lot of it, and especially like like if whether or not something's going to brick pit you're not is your expectations going in. That's fair. Yeah. Like, so this, this is not like a, a based on true story, but it's, it's an adaptation of a, of a book. I finally mm-hmm. started watching, um, house on haunted Hill. Oh, right. It's on Netflix. Now I, I, the Shirley Jackson book is one of my favorite books and the haunting one of the, the 1963 film based on the book is one of my absolute favorite movies. Uh, so, and when I'd heard that, like, they'd made the series and it was just, just not loosely, loosely based on the, the book and the movie, I was like, I don't want anything to do with that because it's not, it's, it doesn't have true fidelity to the, to the source material. But, like, especially on Twitter, people were just talking about how great it was. And mm-hmm. it's the same guy that did Midnight Mass and Oculus. And so I've been, I've been watching a lot of stuff. And so I finally sat down and I was like, I went in with zero expectations and it is bears little to no resemblance to the source material, but there are kind of like Easter eggs towards the source material. Uh, typically that would just like drive me up the wall, but it was, <laughs> it was so, it was so well crafted that it didn't bother me at all. Like I had, I had no brick pits with it. I was like, man, this is amazing. People are fickle, me especially. <laughs> I think a lot of it has to do with exactly what they are doing. Like I can understand them not having Patton cursing every single word right. mm-hmm. or other word, you know, especially during that time, they were still right. in the transition 
from Hayes Code to the new MPAA system. Right, right. Pat Patton sounding like he's in a Quentin Tarantino film with not yeah. <laughs> on over, right. which is which is more accurate. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you've ever uh, read Qu- Quentin, about there you go. Remake Patton. <laughs> That's yeah. right up your alley. Does this look like dead Nazi storage to you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm more concerned about, you know, like Josh said, being the fidelity of the source. And if they start doing stuff like they either completely gloss over an aspect Mm -hmm. of his personality because they want to whitewash it. Right. Right. Or if they create an aspect of his personality that didn't exist simply because, oh, well, that that'll trend better with modern audiences. So I think a good way to think of it is that like based on a true story is is like an adaptation of reality versus like an adaptation of a book right and and i think that if you go into that like the lord of the rings films we all love they're not one for one adaptations and i don't think a one for one adaptation will work cuz they're they're different a book medium. is not a movie yeah and the medium is important like because there's there's no internal dialogue or um, in in film. If there a is, narrative, I mean, you know, omnipresent voice that gives you details that you know you don't get just simply by looking in the frame. Right. So 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 adaptation is good because you do have to change for the medium. So like based on a true story is taking an idea and massaging it enough to be entertaining and still in the realm of, you know, yeah, that's kind of what happened. And we've, uh, we've asked this before, but I think you and I have come to different conclusions on this in the past, but is there a duty? Is there ever a duty in a filmmaker whenever they tell an audience that is, but that is in fact, based on real events. For example, Captain Phillips, uh, as you may or may not know that the real person, Captain Phillips, Phillips is a sleazebag. Oh yeah, he got sued. Him and right the, the shipping company. There's no hero aspect to him in real life. He 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 disobeyed direct orders from maritime authorities. His own crew begged him not to go the way he was going. He's like, "That's all nonsense. We'll be fine." And then Somali pirates take over the you know, and it's a whole thing. But he, you know, and Tom Hanks is at a you know the the screenplay gives gives the guy way too many hero creds that aren't there. Yeah, I think the perfect storm probably fits in that category too. Yes. That's a great that's another great a, another another naval yeah. tale of like yeah. no nah, man, you you should that was that was gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> you ignore the the strong right. storm and hurricane warnings in a shrimp boat in the middle of the in, in insurance they call that foreseeability. So yeah. like if somebody's like dead drunk and they're like trying to drive and you're sober and you get in the car with them and they wreck we're like, well, dude, foreseeability. <laughs> like there, there was, there was one way this was going to end. Right. So Captain Phillips and, and <laughs> the perfect storm was kind of like, Andrea, Andrea Gale. Was that what that was? Andrea Gale, right? Yeah. For perfect storm. Yeah. yeah. So uh, like, I don't think there's a, there's obviously no filmmakers like duty of fidelity to the story or whatever. They want to make money and they want to tell a good mm-hmm. story in the theme of the brick pitting of things, it kind of ticks me off sometimes. Like when I, you know, like I, especially if I don't know anything about the story before, like 
like I didn't know anything. Oh, why would I know anything about Captain Phillips? I go see right. the movie, then I Google it, and then I read, and I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> this, this guy's horrible. <laughs> Captain Phillips was a Somali pirate. <laughs> you yeah. know, and then and then I get Holly- I, feel like been, I feel like I've been cheated out of like yeah. 90 minutes of my life because I, I had feelings and now I'm mad about it. You know, like, Hollywood is there to sell you a feeling, right? <laughs> and they don't care whether or not that feeling comes across legitimately or not they they just want you to buy it well and and i i'm i have less of a problem with it if i know the real story i you know i'm like eh. but if it's <laughs> but if it but if it's entertaining i'll, I'll be forgiving it, it's when it's when it's a documentary when it's actual documentation and and things are skewed is when i get angry uh, I I think there's a different there's a difference like if you're doing a documentary I think you have a responsibility resp- yeah you have a responsibility to the truth to the to the uh, to get as close as you can uh, to the actual truth versus based on a true story did this thing kind of happen yeah okay well then you've <laughs> And in case you were wondering, yes, we do have a documentaries episode. It's season one, episode ten. So you can. Oh down. man! <laughs> you do more you're coming research. Off, yeah, you're coming you off. You do more research now. in our back catalog than you <laughs> do in an actual. You're episode. coming off desperate, man. You're the, the, you're like the, this is like we're on a Tinder date, and you're like <laughs> you're planning the wedding, man. It's the, like hey, the, we're just we're having drinks here, dude. The, 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 <laughs> The back you're, half of this episode is just going to be a clip show. It's just <laughs> you're being a stage five clinger here. <laughs> All right, with that, uh, let's uh, pay some bills. All right, so we're back from commercial. Uh, so, Josh, let's get on to, to your list here. I couldn't think of any based on uh, true stories. <laughs> But, I don't uh, have a thing called the internet. Where well, I that's that's where like I, that that's up. where I picked most of my stuff from. Two films that, in particular, that I that I chose that I know are not really don't have much fidelity and were still, I guess, big hits. One of them, like The Social Network, is one, which just seemed like a, a boring uh, topic for a film. Like I, I'll get bored just mentioning the film. Uh, <laughs> Have you seen the movie? I've seen enough of it. <laughs> <laughs> he watched the trailer, is what that means. <laughs> what? Okay, that's fair. I just out of curiosity, what what uh, of the two hour runtime? What percentage would you say <laughs> the movie have you seen? <laughs> this is new. You actually calling me out on something? I don't. I don't like that. <laughs> I like I like unfettered. <laughs> well, you, I'll, I'll always say usually you do a better job of masking it. <laughs> but you had you had shockingly little specifics to talk about. <laughs> it is a bad movie, and I have seen it. And I will say that there's a part of it. The, the acting is fine, right? Sure. Uh, was that kid's name Jesse uh, Eisenberg? Is that his name? I, I can't remember. Yes, anyway, he's the greatest Lex Luthor ever. Right, Jason. <laughs> Good. My he's silence decent, is my answer. <laughs> he's a decent actor. He did. He did well in the film. He whatever. Um, but it the to the point about if you want to make like a 
a completely on the opposite spectrum of, of gravity of consequence from like Black Hawk down. Like the like if that's a if that's a 99, this is like a negative 99. That's an acid, this is a base. Like they're so far apart. Because <laughs> it doesn't nothing matter. Like you don't care. Nobody in this movie is sympathetic. Mm-hmm. There's no like you just don't care. Like the whole there's no po- there's no point in it. And, Pretty much tech and social media in general. <laughs> and, yeah, and kudos I mean, to you, uh, Adam, for uh, completely going out there for our nerd audience <laughs> with the chemistry uh, <laughs> analogy there. <laughs> well, you once, know. once again, we don't lie here. We play true to ourselves. That's, <laughs> we are who we are. <laughs> we are truly the Big Bang Theory of podcasts. <laughs> oh, don't say that. <laughs> I am Sheldon. <laughs> uh, I only, think we're kind of all Sheldon. That's the only person I know from the Big Bang Theory. Adam's Penny. Isn't that the girl's name? <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, and, and the other is Into the Wild, which just. Now that's an okay movie. I just. I don't get the glorification of, of dumbassery. Okay. <laughs> Which is, is what the, that was, because he, yes. like, yeah. people were telling him, you can't do that. You will die. Along, along the whole, the whole of his life, people were like, dude, you need to, you need to go out there with more than a bag of rice. <laughs> you got, you got a tent, but I'm free. I'm wild. It's like, and then you died. You died in a bus. And then other idiots go out there and go, let's go find the bus. Where they had to move the bus because they kept having to rescue idiots for trying to emulate this one idiot because they, for for some reason, it was like glorified in the stupid book and the stupid movie. Can you say idiots one more time just for the promo of this episode? Morons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, that that is an actual medical term, there, Josh. So, to, so is idiot. You have to justify it. <laughs> see, what what? Now, see what? Okay, hold on. Are you mad? At the movie or at the dude? At the dude. I'm right. mad at all of it. I'm mad at Eddie Vedder for like being like this guy's great. <laughs> Eddie Vedder is at the he's at the end point of a lot of my anger. Like that. <laughs> yeah, but there's a whole. I, so like there was the Into Thin Air, which is the Everest one, and there's the what's the. Uh, there's a documentary. Uh, Rugby it? players eat their dead. The alive. What alive? <laughs> Was is it free solo or so, or something? It's the where the guy climbs without any climbing gear. There's there's a whole like genre. Well, there's the, there's the one where the guy got the guy went out hiking in in the desert and didn't tell yeah, anybody. Because, yeah, and he cut off his own arm. It's like what if, I, that, I'm, that, not, I'm just not super sympathetic, man. Tell somebody you're leaving. <laughs> is it that hard? Hey, man, I'm going hiking. Okay. If you don't show up in two days, we might send somebody after you. Ten thousand hours. That's that movie, right? Is that right? No, that's not. Ten, right. No, like no, eighty-two right. hours or something. <laughs> Another thing, hours. like how are you? How did you make a movie? Guy falls on a rock, gets his arm stuck, cuts his arm off. Like that's a short. Like <laughs> what? I don't. And the movie is too. One hundred twenty-seven <laughs> hours. There's the magic number. Found it. Sorry. <laughs> I, I'm just not even compelled, and the guy lives, so good for him that he's alive yeah. and stuff. But like, I'm not going to come see you talk. Like, <laughs> it's like your whole premise is 
I was really stupid and I didn't die. So I'm interesting, right? It's like, no, you're just stupid. <laughs> I survived some- this chemical fire that I started. <laughs> like I've unlocked an extra level of Josh <laughs> with this line of questioning. Like this is a whole new area of rage that I was unaware of. Is how could how could you not be upset? Because it just like people are oh man into the wild. I, I want to do that. You want to go out into the Alaskan wilderness and die? But seriously, what what is there to what? Why do I want to even know about that guy? Oh, yeah. Everything oh. I need to know about that guy is he went out unprepared into the wilderness and died as expected there's right. nothing there's nothing where's the story i don't care about his question. childhood i don't care about where he grew up he went out <laughs> to the wilderness unprepared and he died as expected that's not a feature film that's a psa <laughs> Yeah, that's an episode of Punky Brewster when they fall into the damn uh, the refrigerator <laughs> and it's left in the lot 30 minutes at best don't climb into refrigerators. You know, like a two and a half hour film and and have uh, Pearl Jam do the, the score and then like celebrate him. Like he was he was just unrestricted. You know, he the society he he just rejected all that. And he died. So obviously society won that dude zero. I just wanted to point out that Pearl Jam did the score is the only actual aspect of the film itself that Josh Talked about. I thought the guy died in the bus. Right. So I want to ask, ask, ask you a serious question, Josh. Are yeah. you familiar? Are you familiar with uh, with a, with a, a book called Walden? <laughs> did did Thoreau die in a bus? Right. <laughs> what what is? I take a walk by a lake are, versus are you, I went out to the wilderness and died because I'm right. stupid. Yeah, uh, are you familiar with a with a little ditty called Huckleberry Finn <laughs> or My Side of the Mountain? Oh, or, my! Uh, the kid in My Side of the Mountain lived. Yeah, but but they but they shouldn't have. Uh, the bad things could have happened to them too. Uh, my Side of the Mountain's all about overcoming that stuff. Like I'll read if yeah. you live, then you did something That's noteworthy. So <laughs> if you die, <laughs> I was also called fiction. Right. Well, I, I crossed a busy street without looking. I got hit by a car. That didn't deserve a film. That's <laughs> what, I, what I'm hearing you say, Josh, mm-hmm. is that is that the, that you dying is not punishment enough. Is that you must also <laughs> suffer the wrath of Josh for yes. your stupidity. Yes. It's not. I don't think it's that so much as someone else shouldn't come along after you and make a movie yes. about your stupidity uh-huh. okay. and put you up as inf- uh, inspirational exactly. to other stupid people. If, it, if, the movie, if the movie was like set a tone, this dude was an idiot. You shouldn't do that. That's what it's, it's like, it's, it's the, uh, it's the problem of mafia films all over again. Like everybody likes the first half. <laughs> Nobody wants to, the second half, when you end up dead in a shallow grave, <laughs> no one learns the lesson. Of right. The the film. Here, so here's what I will say in defense of this: mm-hmm. I think this movie is okay, and I and I think the story is okay, and I think it's worth telling because what it what it really does is it shows a lot of people who think they could do this what would really happen. First of all, but that's not right. the lesson learned. <laughs> it is, but it, it because it is no the movie is done in a like serious regretful contemplative way like it doesn't and it also is like it doesn't 
put some kind of glorious patina over whatever's happening here. It's it's not gritty, but it's not rose-colored glasses either. It shows how stupid this decision was. And that's the drama of the story, is that like this kid made a what basically a series of really dumb choices and he well, died well, because well, of it. Well, peep yeah. But that's and, like that's the majority he, of people. Like, but that, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to see people making the same mistakes I make. I want people right. to do better than me. This is why they don't. This is why they don't do documentaries about people who work at an insurance agency. Like, <laughs> that's why I don't have a film crew following me because no one should emulate my life. Like, it's also like <laughs> the why the Office had to be a comedy and not a. <laughs> <laughs> like you could, if you did a true to life documentary about an office worker like yes. that, it would, it would, it would be, it would so be soul draining. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I feel, I Tonight's feel. tater tot night at home. Right? <laughs> I, I feel the same way about those that I feel about uh, Jack Kerouac. Fair. Yeah. Uh, that's it, a good comparison. It is. He, the, the, the into the wild guy was, was Jack Kerouac. Like, Oh, he was so cool. Jack Kerouac sucked. He was he was a crappy dude that shirked all responsibility. Then wrote about it. People were like, "Oh, cool! I want to." Because yeah, who doesn't want to shirk responsibility? But it makes you a terrible person. I'm not, Adam. I, I, I just want to say I hate you because you just blew up like three months worth of hate box material. <laughs> <laughs> This is like the most hate Josh has ever poured out. <laughs> you tap you you fracked into my hate reservoir. <laughs> you, <laughs> we're wasting the excess gases of your hate. <laughs> I can smell it from here. <laughs> the, the hate box pipeline is up and running. All right, let's let's move on, or else we're just gonna get mired down in Josh's hate. <laughs> It's like the despair swamp and never ending. Story. That's exactly what I was saying. You're like that, that horse. <laughs> uh, okay. I want to mention a movie because it, it, it wasn't advertised as based on true events, even though it was an amalgamation of several, but also mostly because it's just an awesome movie and very, very important in the context of film history uh, and the development of film language, especially in sound films. And that's uh, Fritz Lang's M. Uh, so this movie came out in 1931. It's a German film. It is an early sound film, which is very important to, to keep in mind because we've talked about again and again how film is a language and people had to experiment and come up with that language. Uh, the introduction of sound recreated that need to create the language of film with the inclusion of sound in it. And M does a very, very good job of that for being an early sound film. It's one of the first films that used uh, leitmotif. It's it's a proto-film noir. It's an early uh, psychological thriller. Uh, it's got police procedural. It's kind of this mix-up of all these different genres that would develop on later. And it's based off several instances of serial killers in Germany at the turn of the last century. Probably most Famously, uh, Peter Curtin, who had, I believe, been sentenced the year before this film came out. When they first started writing the film and trying to get it financed, you know, once again, the early 1930s, and the production studio that Lang was going to use would not allow him to film there. 
his original title in German was Murderer Among Us. And when he talked to the head of the studio, he found out that the guy was a member of the Nazi party. And the Nazi party was afraid that the film was about them. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) So he had to actually show them an early draft of the film so that they would know. It's about a child murderer. So we're kind (laughs) of, we're in the same neighborhood, sir. (laughs) (laughs) But not explicitly about you. Yes. <laughs> so the way to set the way to set that up is when they watched the early and they were like, "This is about us." <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> my my flippant take on M is that like so Peter Lorre it was the Steve Buscemi of his day. <laughs> okay. Just that I mean he has a look, right. and so I can imagine them saying, "All right, we got this movie about a child murderer." Give me Peter Laurie. <laughs> Who looks like a child murderer? That dude. Like, I guess that's great if you have like a strange look like that. I mean, let's face it, the guy was the guy looks like a child murderer. It's like great casting. <laughs> but you gotta you know, it, uh, by, by everything I know about him, he's a pretty decent dude. So it's like, you know. That's, that's what Bill Corbett said about uh, the first Spider-Man movie. He says, ah, oh, Willem Dafoe, if you need to cast a villain, but you don't have a very long list of memory, that's what you get right there, right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> Just call him. He'll show you need up. somebody <laughs> who can choose scenery as a villain. <laughs> Let's be honest. He brought in, like I said, there was a series of, of Serial killers in Germany, turn of the last century. But there was also a uh, police detective, Ernest Gennett, who uh, was one of the first heads of the, the homicide division for Berlin. And he actually worked on a lot of those cases. He worked on the, the Peter Curtin case. And so the police chief in the film is based off of him because the guy brought in a lot of modern police techniques like fingerprinting. Essentially, you know, one of the first people to start considering using psychology and profiling. And he actually came up with the term serial killer. So he's one of the influences. Uh, it's If you've never seen the film, it, it's fantastically weird. Uh, you would probably love it because there's this John Wick type concept of like all the, the criminal organizations are essentially like unions. And because there's this ch- uh, child killer on the loose uh, and they can't catch him, the, the police are starting to crack down on everyone. So the criminals can't operate. So they decide to find the murderer themselves to get them off the streets so they can go back to business as usual. The, that, I mean, that's also, uh, there is a, a reflection of reality in that too. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. That, that actually existed in Germany at the time. A lot of the things that we would see that would seem kind of like crazy to us, uh, like the fact that these unions were essentially run like board meetings with like a master criminal at the head is legit. That's actually how they worked. And they would, you know, if someone got in trouble, they would help pay for lawyers and they would give them alibis. And if you went to jail, they would give his wife and children money while he was in prison. <laughs> well, it, it works much like the mafia. I mean, it's yeah, it is, it is essentially the German mob. Yes. Is it is it subtitled? Or yes, is it, it is. OK, yeah. so I just looked it up. It's available on HBO Max. Uh, yes, it streaming is. Yeah. for anybody that wants to watch. So I think I'm going to catch that. Thanks for the recommendation. It, it, it's it's very well done, and uh, yeah. like I say, it brings in a lot of psychology too at the time, uh, because the criminals catch Peter Lorre's character, and the way they do it is through the use of the leap motif, is because his character would always whistle. I believe it's uh, in the hall of the in the hall of the Mountain King. I believe is what he would whistle, 
And so that was a cue that when you see him on screen the first time he does it, you don't have to show him again. You just have to hear that sound. And it preps the audience for the fact that something dastardly is about to happen and you don't That's have cool. to show it on screen. Well, yeah. And I mean, Fritz Lang is probably one of the greatest directors in, in history. Um, <clears throat> Metropolis was, yeah. was, was his big film. But there is also... It, it, Metropolis is interesting because like we keep finding different cuts in different places. Yeah. I think yeah. recently like, it was like Brazil or something had had portions of a scene that was missing. So it's like film history, it's, it's so weird because it's like, you know, we're, we're talking about a hundred year span, but like so much of it, he did, he did some spy films. I think it was called the spider Jason. Uh, I believe. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, and that, that is like all we have of it that's left because like all, there's just no prints left anymore. As people's impression, like, that was the greatest movie I ever saw. And it was like this awesome spy film. And that's all that's all we have. And it was like yeah. 1920. <laughs> so. so I think there's a lot to say. I want to thank you for mentioning this movie because I'd never I've never even heard of it, which is a shame. Because also it's ranked 96th out of IMDb's best 250 movies ever made. That's probably is, a little low too. And it's it looks like it's based off of actual like user rankings which is even more interesting because it's not critic rankings we should I, i'm going to make an effort this year to go back and watch 20s and 30s films because i don't think i've really spent enough time on those so thanks for that yeah, awesome. i say it's, it's a fantastic film and peter Lorre was hired because he was a well-known and well-respected stage actor at that point in berlin he came from austria and he looks like a child murderer <laughs> josh sees a lot of himself in peter Lorre. Uh, <laughs> but at, at the end there's there's a scene where essentially the the criminals catch him and put him in front of a kangaroo court. And like, you know, even his own defense attorney is talking about, yeah, he, he probably needs to be killed. But no, you know, he brings in the psychology, he's bad upbringing and all that kind of stuff. He can't help himself. And, you know, Peter Laurie just like breaks down and just talks about, uh, you know, his, his impulses that he can't control. And also the fact that, you know, what gives them the right to take his life, you know, <laughs> which is a very interesting scene coming from a child murderer, but it's, yeah, it, if you get a chance to watch it, it's fantastic. It is critically respected. I mean, to the point I remember in the eighties, the first bit I had ever seen of M before I'd actually seen the film MTV used it as their bumper. Like they animated an aspect of it. Cause the, the title comes from the fact when they find him, one of the criminals takes a piece of chalk and, puts an M on his hand and it hmm. puts it on Peter Laurie's shoulder. So the chalk transfers to his shoulder. So he's got an M for murderer and everyone can see him and follow him. And there's a bit when he realizes he's being followed, he starts running away and MTV cut that up to a little animation set. Of course they turned the M into the MTV logo. Make of that what you will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the murders of MTV was the radio star and not children. <laughs> It was the corporate boardroom. It was the rotting and, of the brains of children. <laughs> and the, the cheap cost of real world. But yeah, make sure you get the, the 1931 version, because I believe there was a remake in the early 50s. Uh, yeah. And where it takes place in L.A. instead of Berlin. So, And, and you should also watch Metropolis. Yeah, I've seen Metropolis. Which version? I, I, this is one of the weird I things. Don't know. Like, the, the, the Queen soundtrack version is probably my favorite. 
as, as yeah. strange as that is. They got it. They just, it's bizarre because it's very 80s Queen soundtrack. I dug it. <laughs> yeah. On this crazy 1920s expressionist German film. Yeah. All right. Uh, Adam, you got any more that you want to discuss? Um, nothing that I think I have to hit. I think I'm good. I'd have nothing left. Compelling podcast <laughs> adventure. <laughs> What do you think about this? I don't know. I don't know. How about you, you, Josh? Yeah, so um, there's a film called A Midnight Clear that is based on a book of the same title. It is a World War II film. And what's what's interesting to me, the author of the book was in World War II. And he says that, uh, you know, the names have all been changed to protect the guilty. Mm. Think that was the... That's the first time I had ever encountered that. I think it may be because it's been used before or since. But it it's about a group of... They took a lot of smart kids and put them into a squad to do, um, like, uh, analysis on troop positions or whatever. And they, they hole up in this, this abandoned manor, <clears throat> encounter a German force. This is late in the war, so it's like old men and kids. They don't want to fight them. And the Germans don't want to fight either. And so they they stage a fake battle so they can capture the Germans because the Germans want to end the war. You know, they want to get out with their alive. And um, it all goes to hell. <clears throat> I'll, I'll leave it at that. It's very... It's got Gary Sinise is in it. <laughs> it's got it's got the Lieutenant Dan. Yeah, um, do your bit. <laughs> you can't mention him without doing your bit. <laughs> The thing is, I think that bit came from us mentioning this last time. I think so, actually. What, what, what bit? Oh. <laughs> you put Gary Sinise in World War II helmet. You got yeah, that's what you No, the last time I said that, you said, that's my bit. <laughs> you totally read So like, I won't mention it again. So it's Gary Sinise in a World War II movie. That's your, that's your thing. Yeah, you haven't seen all of his World War II movies. Make me sick. You're just like the Into the Wild guy. <laughs> so anyway, like I don't know if if I, I don't think anything about the actual story is true, but I think that there's truth in the story. Of uh, so it's it's really I think uh, I think uh, Samwise Gamgee's up in there too. Maybe not Sean Astin. Samwise Gamgee. <laughs> he sticks out because he's. He's small, S M all, but it's it's a worthy um, entry into the uh, based on a true story, especially that you know the names are changed to protect the guilty. That's a that's a that's a clever play on uh, the the dragnet. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, I want to mention one last one because uh, I remember seeing this in the '90s, like on TV, and I just thought it was just some regular kind of like thriller movie. And then found out, no, it's actually based on something that happened. And that's the town that dreaded sundown, which is actually based on a few killings that happened in Texarkana mm-hmm. in the in the 1940s. And the reason I want to talk about this one is, is mostly because of what they've done, because those murders went unsolved. Like they never actually arrested somebody. They had a few suspects, but they could never get enough evidence to convict anyone. This movie kind of lead speculation in some of those areas and that's one of those things that i think a lot of the based on true event movies like to do is they like to give the audience someone to kind of pin it on even right if 
when you take the totality of all the evidence, that doesn't really work out. I think the the Zodiac movie did that as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, we're still doing it over hundred years later for Jack the Ripper. Everyone's got their theories on on who that was. I I, I really kind of want to open up on on that issue on the the speculative aspect of. Well, I was just gonna say the interesting thing about the town that dreaded sundown is that. It's the one where he's got the Sacco with the one eye yeah. cut out yeah. that that Friday the Thirteenth copied. Oh yeah, with it, the, it was with the very original. Influential. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, just as, in the horror genre, it's it's pretty influential film. But as far as like like speculation, I think that that's it's interesting, and it, I'm not sure if if it's ever caused any any trouble. Like where a based on film has basically pointed the finger at somebody that had not been convicted. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I think most, for the most part, like you said, like like the the town that dreaded sundown was what seventy mid seventies, yeah, yeah so six and 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 based on something in the forties, so like it's not like it was contemporary. It's not like doing a doing a John Bonet no. Ramsey film, being like, hey, it's the dad. <laughs> but I'd say it's twenty five years removed, but a lot of those people. Were still alive. Yeah, that, that's true. That wasn't the guy that. Uh, no, I think I guess they caught the guy. I was in New Jersey that would not. If the door was locked, he wouldn't try to break in. He'd just move on to the next house because he figured you didn't want to be bothered. If the door was locked, he would only go in and kill people whose doors were unlocked. <laughs> I swear, that's the that's, most polite. Yes, that like oh, your door's locked. You don't want to be murdered. <laughs> Was he British? <laughs> it was Matt Berry. <laughs> well, this person doesn't want to be murdered tonight. I guess I'll move to the next house. Bye, Jove. <laughs> oh, that was funny. <laughs> Maybe now Matt Berry will respond to my tweets. <laughs> I'm, I'm a season there, There's going to be a based on true events about my my cyber stalking of celebrities on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so, what about you, Adam? You've been silent as far as the speculation aspect of. Oh yeah, so some interesting aspects of that I think is that filmmakers, uh, as you know, like all films, books as well, have a disclaimer. Even if it's based on true events, at the end of the movie, it will always say this: "This is completely fictional. All characters are that are based on reality are just uh, by coincidence in any place." And and why is that, Adam? You. Yeah, so <laughs> I would speculate that the reason is is so they don't get sued for uh, for defamation. Yes. That's that's and, a very Pontius Pilate washing my hand. Hey, <laughs> hey. <laughs> That's, um, my, that's my Pontius Pilate, which is, is 100% accurate. That, in history, that led yeah. to that. So there is, there is and, and it's actually um, something that you mentioned recently that I had forgotten about, but the Rasputin, there was a movie about Rasputin uh, that came out, what would it be, 20-something? It, it basically, it led to a whole series of lawsuits because the people in it were still living, and they were represented poorly in a way that made them whatever and so the the studio lost a ton of money because they lost the case it was a defamation case and they lost and because of that all these every work of of uh that comes out of hollywood since then is going to always have this disclaimer because of these defamation cases having said all that there's this that doesn't necessarily always protect you from really egregious like you could put that disclaimer on there but if you show a, a movie called you know josh is a child murderer <laughs> 
<laughs> and then we're at the end of the we've shown you 90 minutes of, of, of like of like stalking found footage of Josh walking around child playgrounds and stuff. All right. And then, you know, <laughs> and then at the Oscars, you know, Josh gets up and he's all mad about that. <laughs> can, can Brian Pulsane play me? <laughs> That'll be Gary Sneese. That's okay. who we have to buy for you. As long as he's got a World War II helmet, then <laughs> you know, Josh could still take action on that. So um, but you know, it the other side of that, I mean, this isn't necessarily film or book related, but you know, the podcasts that do these true crime where they re-examine a case or they look at people who have been uh, locked up for something and they think they're innocent, those have real impacts. Like, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of those cases have been reopened based on the evidence unearthed by these these crews. You know, and clear, you know, our our podcast has that same social uh, importance. I mean, we clearly <laughs> are changing the world for the better. Are you saying um, we're going to get sued? <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying we should. <laughs> All right, Adam, if uh, people want to get in contact with us, how would they do that? Yeah, if you'd like to reach us, we'd love to hear from you. The Best way to do that would be at anchor.fm forward slash bricked pit. Some other ways to get in touch with us are on our Facebook and Twitter accounts where we're super active, or you can email us at brickedpit at gmail.com. And I think also it's now a time since we're at the end of the episode, we're going to make everybody wait for it. Contest winners. Yeah. So the, we, as you may or may not know, we held a Facebook contest uh, in which we asked uh, our listeners to share uh, either the post or, or to make a comment about their favorite episodes. And, and first place uh, for this was going to be a, uh, a year subscription to Apple Plus uh, TV. Uh, second place prize is a gift card or gift certificate to a movie theater chain of your choice. Third place was a movie poster, either Big Trouble in Little China or 100 Movies You Should See scratch-off poster. So uh, without further ado, we'll announce the, the winners. Uh, first place went to uh, Patrick M. Uh, second place went to Beth S. And uh, third place was Lisa M. And so uh, if that happens to be your name, you should definitely uh, make sure you're on Facebook in the next uh, few days after this episode airs. And we will be in touch with you uh, to make sure you get your prizes. For everybody participated, we really appreciate it. And until next time, this is The Brick Pit. On the Vintage Video Podcast, we'll be reviewing every single wide release of the 1980s in chronological order. Over 250 episodes to enjoy and thousands more to come. John enters the store now to order another can of ether. I picture him outside like Homer with the gasohol. <laughs> one for you, one for me. I also like to think about that the kids renew their vow not to talk about the murder. By, by murdering someone. <laughs> <laughs> They're taking a blood oath with someone else's blood. This stuff is seven times more powerful than uranium. And yeah. they, they open up the vault that it's contained in, not wearing any kind of protective nope. gear. Yeah. And it's wooden crates. Wooden crates. It's like the guys in Chernobyl picking up the graphite rocks yeah. and going, nah, because there's just rocks. Hugging the elephant foot. <laughs> just like, oh, this thing's smooth. It's so warm. He turns to dial the number from the classified ad without even thinking about the numbers. <laughs> we know this because we can hear his thoughts and he's talking about how AJ was right that ninjas are misdirecting him. They're misdirecting him. I really wish that he'd turn to the phone and like, six, six. Vintage Video. We're rewatching the 80s so you don't have to. We have to talk about our show. Okay. Who are we? Uh, what do we do? Ha. I am Martha Madrigal. And I'm Charles Tyson Jr. We are the hosts of 
Full Circle, the, the podcast. podcast. You are a beautiful white trans woman. I will take that. <laughs> of a certain age. And you are a gorgeous black cis pan man who has shared my life for 10 years. And we're engaged. I put a ring on it. Yeah, you did put a ring on it. It's a pretty ring, too. <laughs> Now we have a podcast. Yeah, there's not much we don't talk about here. It's true. We talk about LGBTQ issues, headlines of the day. We talk about fun things too, like movies and music and television and pop culture. Mm -hmm. And we talk about what it is to be black in America and what it is to be trans in America and how those things intersect and collide. And child, it gets interesting. And you can check us out every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. Because once again, we're Charles Tyson Jr. and Martha the magical and this is full circle the, the podcast. podcast are we done now i think so okay